Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So about, I think about 10 years ago, I was walking through uh, the Tesco's in Levensham. It's on Levy High Street, just one of those little Tesco's you kind of walk. And we were walking through it. And then something shot across the floor in front of us. In, I think it was in the freezer section. Let's say the freezer section, just for dramatic imagery. And something shot across the floor. And we looked and then it went again. And it was a cockroach. And, uh, and I managed to get my phone out quick enough, got a photo of this cockroach. And we were like, that's a bit grim. I know what I'll do. I will tweet Tesco. So for those of you uh, who still live in the 1940s, Twitter is a thing, has been now for a number of years, uh, and you can tweet at a company. So at Tesco's, I tweeted them with a little picture of this cockroach and saying, this is in uh, the, your Levenshoom branch. Uh, and um, now Tesco's replied to me. Uh, and, and they replied to apologise, to let me know they'd contact the manager of the store. Uh, and they, they, they did that, it was, which was very nice of them. But why? Why did a multi, probably a multi-billion pound company with a huge number of employees um, that is kind of a vital part of our national infrastructure, uh, why for a moment were they listening to me? Is it because I am a particularly influential, powerful, or even wealthy individual? Unfortunately, no. Uh, what caused them to reply to me? Why did I get a reaction out of them? Well, it was shame and fear. That's why, or more specifically, the fear of being shamed. Uh, that's why they got in contact with me, because shame is back. Whether it's on social media or our 24-hour news, it has become a very powerful tool for change, isn't it? If you uh, if you are annoyed with a company uh, and we no longer write a letter to try and resolve the issue or phone them, we will Facebook about it. We will attempt to shame them into change. And actually, a huge part of our news cycle, if you are to watch 24-hour news for like a whole 24 hours, you will realise that at some point, uh, somebody will say something they shouldn't have. Other people will then say, this is horrible. They should be ashamed. And then there's a whole kind of time of waiting for that person to apologise. Uh, and that is how the we kind of conduct ourselves a bit at the moment via shame. And uh, we Brits, we tend to think we're, we're not a shame uh, on a culture. We talk, we're, we're kind of a law guilt culture. We're not a shame on a culture. But actually, us Brits, we specialise in shame. And actually, if I'm travelling, I'm talking to other believers in, in other places uh, in, when I'm in, in Poland or with the Ukrainians. Now, one of the things they will laugh at about the Brits, and there are a few different things that they laugh at about us, our obsession with the weather, they just can't get their heads around. Uh, but one of the things they laugh about is the fact that we apologise for everything. We just, we, we apologise for stuff that isn't even our fault. So, okay, when COVID is done, go through a walk through the city centre on a Saturday at about one o'clock when it's packed, and you will bump into someone, or someone will bump into you. It won't even be your fault. Your instant reaction will be going, oh, I'm sorry. Instant apologies. We all we think about is what other people think of us. It's a, a bit of an ob, an obsession, and we're going to think about that a bit this morning. As Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to his friend Timothy, he writes, "Don't be ashamed." 
don't be ashamed. And, and he writes about a couple of specific things. He said, don't be ashamed about your faith. and Don't be ashamed about knowing me, Paul. And when we're reading this, we're in 2 Timothy. Uh, Paul is stuck in prison, probably somewhere in Rome, shackled to a wall with one kind of gap in the ceiling, which brings through some light and some air. And that's about it. And he was right to Timothy. And it was probably the last thing he wrote before he died. Actually, Paul was most likely executed outside of the city walls in Rome. And this was uh, it's thought probably the last thing he wrote and he wrote it to his friend Timothy and Timothy at this point again most likely was leading the church in Ephesus and it seems if you kind of read between the lines of what Paul writes and what we know about Paul and Timothy's friendship their relationship that actually Timothy was struggling a bit uh, struggling perhaps with his position as the church leader it seems that actually th this was a guy who was a bit timid perhaps a bit insecure uh, perhaps he was just shy perhaps just um he was just a quiet guy who was struggling uh, with the leadership that was on him and perhaps actually he preferred the time when he was helping Paul he was on Paul's team and Paul was the number one guy and Tim was just helping out uh, and, and he preferred that to leading in his own right uh, one of the good things about being second in command is when stuff goes wrong, you get to blame someone who's above you. Uh, and perhaps Timothy was missing uh, that position. Uh, but Paul started by encouraging and Graham taught us on this last week. Uh, and uh, Paul uh, reminded Timothy, look, we prayed for you for a, a spirit of power, of love, of self-control. They also said, look, we placed hands on you. Look, you were anointed by God's. And you're appointed by apostles. You're there, not by accident. You should be there. So go for it. He was trying to encourage him. And then we get to this next bit in the, the first chapter of 2 Timothy. So if you've got your Bibles, go to 2 Timothy 1. And we're just going to read from verses 8 to 12 this morning. Uh, and going to look at this idea of shame. And Paul writes, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So as Paul writes this, he knows that to build a lifelong faith that deals with the bumps in the road that happen in life. And Paul knew the bumps in the road. We sometimes think of these New Testament guys seeing these incredible things, like Jesus literally appearing to him in a big light on the road. You think these guys must have had an amazing life. Well, Paul got shipwrecked and beaten, and this is not his first time in prison. Uh, and he had his churches that he planted, some of whom rejected him afterwards. Paul knew about bumps in the road, but Paul knew that to build a lifelong faith, to deal with these, to thrive and to grow in that, you cannot be motivated by shame. You cannot live under shame. You cannot live under the fear of what others think and say about you. 
And to get free of that shame, Paul says, look, actually, we need to suffer. We need to know our calling and we need to know our relationship. So how do we get free of that shame? Let's think about this. Well, firstly, we suffer. And Paul writes this in, in those, that first verse. He says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. OK, so really faith grows under pressure. Uh, and Paul is saying, look, don't be ashamed of the testimony of God, of the gospel. And don't be ashamed of me, of Paul, the prisoner. Don't be ashamed of your relationship with me. So let's think about the first bit of being ashamed of that, that gospel. And actually, Paul wrote to another church. He wrote to the church in Corinth. He said, look, we preached Christ crucified. He's saying, look, we taught this to you. We preached Christ crucified. That's what we teach. And it's a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. So he's saying, look, this message that we teach is in a funny way, a bit shameful. This message we teach. It's about a God who came down to earth, became human and was killed. There's some shame attached to this. And it's a difficult message to explain and even it is today and the reaction that Paul and Timothy experienced the fact it's a stumbling block Paul says so it's illogical this that God would come to earth and die it's illogical or perhaps that it's a folly so it's foolishness it's childish even to beat these to, to got this this message and that, that is kind of the same reaction we, we get today I mean you will hear people say this the Christian faith is illogical it's not you know, it's, it, it's, it can't be true. There's no logic to it. Or it is just childish, this uh, faith and religion. It's foolishness and childish. We need to evolve beyond it, grow beyond it. So th this message is difficult. Now, perhaps Timothy, as Paul writes to him, uh, perhaps, and I think he probably had, he'd heard stories of Paul, of Peter, of the early years of the church, the, the early acts, perhaps, of the apostles that he had heard about, of great ministry success. And then he might be sitting there thinking, why isn't this happening to me? Why am I leading this church? And it's difficult. Why, why are people just ignoring this teaching that I'm giving? It's the same that Paul and Peter taught as well, these other people. Why is it not working for me in my city, in my church? Is it my fault? Is it God's fault? Why is this happening? And perhaps some of us know that experience. Actually, we trust God. We live for him. And yet life is difficult. There are bumps in the road. But Paul also says, look, don't be ashamed of me as well. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, but don't be ashamed of me. Timothy's main advocate, Timothy's main cheerleader actually had been thrown into prison. And Paul is actually kind of saying, look, I, I'm not exactly a great preaching success at the moment, am I? Look, I mean, I'm in jail, at least not in the world's eyes. He is not leading a mega church. He's not leading his great movement of churches. His big evangelistic rallies aren't happening. He's not got this wonderful touring ministry. Churches aren't finding him saying, please, Paul, come and give us a hand. All of this stuff. He's not been invited onto TV to debate with people and all of this stuff. He is in prison, shackled to a wall waiting to die and that, that's where he's at at that moment he's under pressure um, and pressure and those those moments in life those moments of difficulty whether extreme or the kind of mundane ongoing difficulties we face actually those are the times we get to learn quite a lot about ourselves and we might think okay to get through this shame to beat this shame I, I need to find some pride in myself 
Okay, I need to believe in myself. I need to maybe search for the hero that's within me. I'm, I'm, I need to look within and find what's good. I am special. I am a unique, wonderful individual. I, I need to find, there's nothing that I should be ashamed of. And Paul suggests a different path. He says, look, to beat shame, really to be free of it, we must suffer. And really, he's asking Timothy, look, when life is difficult, do we push into our faith or do we pull back? A friend of mine, good friend of mine, was uh, battling with uh, childlessness. Uh, him and his partner just, uh, they couldn't conceive. They, they weren't able to have kids and they were desperate. They really wanted kids, something they wanted to do. Uh, and he was a pretty new Christian. And one day we were just chatting away about this. And he said, look, this piece of the Bible's really helped me. And uh, he said, uh, he read from Romans 5. He said, look, this, I, I don't quite know what it means, but it's just so good for me. He says, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Basically, he said, look, I have to go through this. I've got no, I can't, I've got no other way forward. I can't not go through this. I have to go through this. The question is, will I allow it to bring me more into God's love or drive me away? And Paul says, actually, to beat shame, we have to go through our suffering and find hope. So how do we get free of shame? We suffer, but we also know that we are called. So verse nine, he said, who's who saved us? This Jesus who saved us and called us to a holy calling. We are saved and we are called. And I bet some of you actually don't feel that. I think you think, OK, I'm saved. I can get my head around that. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. But but what now? what this calling thing I don't quite I don't quite grasp and uh, Graham talked a bit about this last week when he uh, talked about gifts and working out what gifts we have and how we are to use them and I don't think it's an instant thing like you get an instant ah oh, this is my gifts right off into life I go actually I think we work it out over over years and decades we work these things through uh, community and through praying together and all that stuff but I, that's what really we're talking about here. It's about being called into the purposes of God, called into God's plan, called out of our plan and into his. And part of God's uh, plan, his purposes, his grace is to save and restore. So, so Paul talks about this through the death and then the resurrection of Jesus. And we are given a calling to play our part in that, to be part of his kingdom, to be involved in that. And it's not just an abstract piece of theology. It's not just that we are all called and we have that. And it's just it's kind of a blanket statement over everybody. Actually, there is something a bit more detailed here. And Paul kind of refers to it. He says, look, I'm called to be a preacher, an apostle and a teacher. And it was a very specific way of using his gifting. And he's not saying, look, all of us are called to do this. He's saying, look, this is what I've been called to. This is uh, what I have. And we are to be free from shame. And I think one of the ways that we get free from, uh, from shame is we live out our true purpose. Our calling to be part of God's advancing kingdom is when our eyes are set on something which isn't ourselves, when it's set on something else that we aim for. Viktor Frankl, 
who I've probably quoted in other preachers and I will quote for loads in the future. So you guys just need to read the book as well and get on boards. But he was a psychologist who survived Auschwitz. Okay, he went in, uh, he was Jewish, he was taken into Auschwitz. I think he was probably in his 40s uh, and he was already a practicing psychologist and he was taken in. And he said, look, humans need purpose. They need a reason to exist something to chase after to thrive in life you need purpose to thrive if you have no purpose you kind of shrivel and die he said you need purpose to thrive in life that's how we get through the most difficult times and he doesn't say that flippantly he was in Auschwitz he survives a concentration camp and he describes how uh, when he was taken into Auschwitz he had a book with him the book that he was trying to write about his particular area of psychology and it was taken from him and burnt and destroyed and he decided okay what i'm going to do in auschwitz is i'm going to get as many scraps of paper as i can i'm going to rewrite that book that's what i'm going to do and that gave him a purpose that gave him some meaning something to fight for every day a way of trying to keep himself alive to get through the shame of a concentration camp we are called Every one of you here is called. You're called to purpose. You have a part to play uh, in this kingdom, this advancing kingdom. And one of the ways that we uh, we move through shame, that we are not ashamed, is we lift our eyes to a purpose that is much bigger than ourselves. And finally, how do we get free of shame? We know that we have relationship. Verse 12, uh, uh, Paul writes, um, I am not ashamed. For I know who I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul said, Look, I'm not ashamed because I know who I have believed. He doesn't say what I've believed and say, I'm not ashamed because I know all of this theology because I'm a good Calvinist or, or whatever. I'm not ashamed because of who. It was person, not theology. It was relationship, not a system of beliefs. It was who, not what. And I wonder, as Paul wrote this, you just wonder if he pauses at that moment and looks around his prison cell, looks at his chains, perhaps reflects on the isolation that he felt, the loneliness that he felt. Perhaps he was pondering what his very near future looked like. And he is not ashamed of where he finds himself because of who he believes. This Jesus he believes in, who saved Paul, who uh, met him on the roads, who totally changed the direction of his life, per turned Paul from someone who was trying to destroy the church, was whispering murderous threats into someone who advanced the gospel way into Europe and into Asia. And it was not because of anything good in Paul. Obviously, Paul's on the road to try and kill people. It was nothing good in him, but it was because of the purpose and grace of Jesus, of that person. And very simply, we are brought into a relationship with Jesus. He is someone we can know. We can talk to, we can listen to, someone we can walk through life with, someone actually who frees us from shame. And Paul actually wrote previously, he wrote uh, to the church in Rome. He said, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So you think Paul saying that we believe in him. We believe in the person of Jesus. This relationship brings us freedom, removes shame from us. So today, actually, just this is a, a moment 
to declare something, isn't it, really? Perhaps maybe just to declare quietly to yourself, um, perhaps to declare to other people you know who are, who are suffering, and that is you can be free of shame. And perhaps it's a shame of things that have been done to you in the past or, or a shame about the way life has turned out. It's not going as you'd expected. Or perhaps it's shame about things that you have done, whatever it might be. Actually, this is a moment to say Jesus removes that shame. That everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, that we are not to be ashamed because of who we know, because of the calling and because we go through this, we suffer to produce this good stuff within us. Jesus brings you out of the oppression of shame. He abolishes death. He brings you into life.